Yeah, it's really true. The new Danish translation of the Bible removes Israel from the New Testament. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks for joining us, friends, on this thoroughly Jewish Thursday broadcast, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. If you have any Jewish-related questions, Israel-related question, Hebrew language, Hebrew Bible-related question, phone lines are open, 866-34-TRUTH. A little later in the broadcast, we will get to your calls. Also, a really interesting poll that indicates twice as many American evangelical Christians See modern Israel today as fulfillment of biblical prophecy, then do American Jews. We'll talk about that. But first, something striking, something shocking. The new Danish translation of the Bible, Danish Bible societies, put it out, trying to be in contemporary language and reach people that are not really familiar with the scriptures. And they made a drastic, radical decision, which is the over 60 times that the word Israel or form of it occurs in the New Testament, they removed it. With one exception, they removed it. We'll get into the details, but first I want to paint a broader picture for you. And I'm so pleased to have with us Torben Sundergaard. You may have seen his video, The Last Reformation, or seen some of his testimony. He's been in ministry and church planning for many years, but the situation in Denmark got such that he fled to America from Religious persecution in Denmark. Torben, welcome to the Line of Fire. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, Torben, first paint a picture of of what's actually happening in Denmark and what your own experience was in the country there. Yeah, first, I I, I want to explain Denmark is very different from America. I think it's good to understand that first. Like, uh, Denmark is 5.8 million people. So America is uh, 57 times bigger than mm. Denmark. We have one Christian newspaper. We have one Bible uh, company who give off the Bible. And it's a very secular country that is changing a lot. And uh, I would say I've been doing ministry for over 20 years in Denmark. I've been uh, writing books and traveling around and, and being in 30 different countries. But, but the last two or three years, it really starts, things start to change even more in a, in a way we haven't seen before. Like we are starting to see in America where we are talking about it's not only persecution for people who somehow disagree with us, but we are talking about government. We are talking about fake news. We are talking about the change of the laws as we are starting to see in America. Uh, so after 20 years of ministry in Denmark last year, the biggest TV station in Denmark, did a documentary about us. It was what I thought it was about us. But it was actually to just, you know, come in and, and change the mindset amongst the people so they could get new laws in. And together with a lot of new laws and together with me on national TV, like day after day for three weeks in the beginning of January last year, we was actually forced to leave our country after 20 years. Because with the new laws, I could risk that they could come in and, and take away our kids, or I could go to jail, 
for doing things I've been doing for 20 years. So, Torben, when you talk about things you've been doing for 20 years, let's say you're talking about preaching the gospel of Jesus to someone on the street, yeah. calling them to repent, calling them to be baptized, maybe praying for them to be set free. Basic gospel ministry, doing your best to, to live out what you understand as a New Testament faith. That That's specifically what you're being attacked for. You're saying that the laws in Denmark actually changed because of that? Yeah, I would say they, they, they started... Four years ago, they started to talk about a new kind of law that called mental violence law. But they talk about how do you define mental violence? Because, like, if you do physical violence, you know you are done it. You know if you go and beat somebody and there's blue marks and that person can testify, hey, look here, somebody beat me. But how do you define mental violence? So there was a whole debate in Denmark about what is mental violence is that if you ground your kids, under a long period of time. That could be mental violence. And uh, we, as one of the only ones in Denmark, have been doing homeschooling. And we have already government coming and looking at us because we are doing homeschooling. And I believe in praying for sick people. I believe in casting out demons, as Jesus called us to. And suddenly the focus became on us, what we have been doing, and the new law. And in the Danish government, they were talking about me. They were talking about... Uh, the programs and what we have been doing. And then in April, they came up with a new law that now mental violence is going to be punished the same way as physical violence. And in that law, they added, if you, for example, if your kids see you cast out demons, pray for people, that could be defined as mental violence. So for just believing in cast out demons, healing the sick, by the new law, that could be defined as mental violence, and therefore they could take away the kids. Now, right now, according to official stats on, on uh, Danish websites, 75% of the population uh, claims to be evangelical Lutheran. Mm. Now, of course, the, the, the percentage used to be much, much, much higher. Yeah. What is the state church like? Is it compromised? Where does it stand on issues like homosexuality and things like that? Oh. I would say, like, when I got baptized in the Lutheran Church, like like most people at that time, and I got confirmed. And when I, in 92, got confirmed, uh, the, it was around 92% mm-hmm. in Denmark who was part of the Lutheran Church. Today, that have fallen, uh, fell down with 18%. So they've gone from 92 to 74 so it's a really secular country in a way. Like, I, I did not know there was a New and an Old Testament, for example, when I was in the Lutheran Church. I had never opened my Bible. So it's really a culture. And if you look at, if you look at the Baptists in Denmark, there is only 5,000 Baptists. Now we're not talking about churches. There's 5,000 Baptists. Mm. There's 7,000 Pentecost. So that means that... that in percentage, we're talking about 0.06%, where in America is just so much higher. Um, yeah. It's around 6% in America. So we are talking about 0.13, and America is 6. The only thing that actually have grown of religion in, in Denmark the last year is Islam. Like Islam in, in the 1980s, Islam was 0.6%. Today is 5.5%. 5. 5%. So 
So he had actually grown from 30,000 people to 330,000 people. So all the Baptists, Pentecostal, evangelical Christians, there's no growth. Islam is growing, and then otherwise it just becomes more and more secular. Extraordinary. And having ministered just a little in Scandinavia over the years and interacted with believers there for many years, you could see this coming. This is, this is not a surprise. It's tragic, but you could see it coming. It's just more extreme than yeah. we would know here in America. And, and because of that, then, uh, has there been sympathy in terms of you coming here as, as someone persecuted, fleeing from religious persecution? Has America been sympathetic to you? Yeah, I would, I would say I, I love America, and, and especially when you grow up in, in, in Europe and Denmark, you, you see when you come to America, you just experience that, that freedom I did not have at home, and, and you feel what you have been grown up under your whole life, and you really feel a difference. I think for me, um, it's still a new thing that things are changing so fast in Europe, and I think when people hear that, hey, a Danish guy seeking asylum. How can that be? <laughs> right, like, right. like we're talking about Europe, we're talking about Denmark. Uh, and I think it's only those people who are very public and known uh, who experience that thing. But it's something that's going to hit everyone. And I would actually say to everyone in America, when, when we experience uh, the persecution and fake news and laws being changed, when, when I came to America, we, we were in shock. Of course, we were in shock. Like we, took my kids and my wife and, and packed the eight suitcases and left in two days. Um, we went shocked, but when I sat in, a, in the airport in Amsterdam flying to America, like, God, how can that happen? How can this happen? And there I felt God spoke very clear, Torben, because you are pioneer, and I'm also calling you to pioneer this. America is not ready for what is going to come to America, and you have to help to make America ready. And it was interesting because when, when the people said to me two, three months before we left Denmark that, hey, Torben, you will one day be forced to leave your country. I would say, no way. Like, come on, this is Denmark. No, 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 no. I, I couldn't believe it. But the same to everyone who's listening now. If, if I would say to you hey, two, three months ago, hey, in two, three months, you will not be allowed to go out of your door and go to work. You will not be allowed to meet in church people will not have believed me now. So I, I'm afraid to say that this is just the beginning because what we see is not only in Denmark, we, we see it like I had a big meeting with 1,000 people in, in Paris two years ago where the police came in under the middle of the Baptist and tried to stop, down, stop the meeting. And when I sat in the airport on the way home, the police came and took me out and, and, and checked everything and, and tried to intimidate us. So we are talking about uh, a hate against the Christians in Europe, but at the same time, Islam. It's almost like they don't dare to touch them. They don't dare to say anything against Islam. So Islam is growing, and the Christians, together with the Jews, is starting to get a, a hard time. Yeah, so uh, again, friends, what seemed impossible in Denmark is the reality now, and much of Europe in a very, very bad state. We are so shocked to see many things in America. Now, if, if I had gotten up 20 years ago and said, this is coming, this is coming, people wouldn't have believed. But, but listen, friends, as we have watered down the gospel in America for so many years, 
as we have preached, a self-help gospel, a self-improvement gospel, which is not the gospel at all and not the gospel that saves from sin, as we have bypassed the cross, as we have omitted repentance, naturally as we do that, standards fall. Naturally as we do that, compromise comes in, apostasy sets in, and rather than us changing the world around us, the world changes us. So we come back, I want to talk with Torben about this new Bible translation, and and, uh, I'll get into some of the material about Israel being removed, but I want Torben to help us in the few more minutes he has with us to understand what's, what's actually happened with not just removing the preaching of sin from the pulpit, but removing the concept of sin from the Bible itself. We'll be right back. of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the line of fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome back, friends, to 30 Jewish Thursday on the line of fire with my special guest from Denmark, but now here in America seeking asylum from religious persecution in Denmark. Torben Sundegaard, you'd be familiar with him from his last Reformation video and movement. Uh, Torben, I, I want to play a clip for you in, uh, in Danish from Jan Frost as he's talking about this new Danish translation. This is what he says. Yep. Jeg sagde, at navnet Israel hverken i det gamle testamente eller i det nye testamente bruges som geografisk betegnelse for det, vi kender som Israel i dag. Uh, could you translate that for yeah. us? Yeah, he said that uh, Israel in the New and Old Testament is not being used as a uh, as a place like we use it today. Like Israel, what what he's saying also later that Israel is not a physical place now; is a people. So when they talk in the new translation about Israel, they have translated Israel to the people of Israel. To uh, like Jew- Israel, right, the Jewish people, Jewish people, or the right. Jews, or just the people. So sometimes yeah. you read Israel and it's the Jewish people, the Jews, or just the people, and not the physical place. Yeah, and and the reason, and I'll get into this in a little while, is they they don't want the people to think that it's modern Israel. God forbid that they should think it's the same place or perhaps even the same people. The implications that are very serious, but but Torben, mm. you and others have pointed out that that's only one problem with this Bible. Yeah. What I, I can understand if a word like sin is considered theological. So you, there are other ways to say it. you're doing wrong, doing something yeah. bad. How how does how does this come out in the new translation? If if you go in in on the own website, they said that this Bible is for the secular reader. So the whole focus is to it's talk to the secular reader, but the problem with that is if you take sin as here, they talk about sin as doing wrong, but then sin is not defined anymore out of God's law and what God is saying. 
thing is defined out of like, hey, what do you think is right and wrong? In my comp- opinion, this is wrong, and your opinion is right. And I think that is the danger when we talk about sin. So when you talk about sin, they use word as doing wrong or or doing the opposite of God, or so they translate sin into the context of what you're reading. Uh, but another example is the whole uh, gender-neutral thing. For example, when Paul, he writes his letter, he don't say to my brothers anymore. He said to my friends. And when you write of men, instead of men, you read people. So, so it's really, sin is being removed and changed, and it's a, a gender-neutral Bible anymore. Why? Because it's a Bible for the secular people who's trying to fit in to uh, how the world is. And, and is sin ever translated as mistake, or does that ever come up? Yeah, yeah, I have some examples. Like, if you take sin, uh, sin can be translated as evil. One place, some place, other place, doing opposite of what God wants. Other places, wrong or mistake. So this is some of the things wrong doing or mistakes. That is some of the places they use in, uh, use instead of sin. Now, was this in keeping with what's preached from the pulpits, that the pulpits no longer call sin, sin in the state church? Oh, but I would <laughs> say that the state church is, is, is very, very far away. Like, like it has been far away from years uh, with uh, the marriage of homosexuals and, and everything else. But but even the other evangelic Christian, I think there is a, a fear today to say it as it is, to talk about sin as it is. Like, we don't want to frighten people away, but again, if people don't know they have sin, why do they need Jesus? Why do they need a Savior? Yeah. Uh, but but it's, it's the whole culture in, in Denmark and Europe where we, like, with the, the, the in Sweden, you don't use uh, him and her anymore. They have actually created a new word yeah. that is gender-neutral, and that new word is is all over Europe starting to come in, and now we see it even in our, our our Bible that yeah, it don't matter if it's a man or a woman; it's it's not what is important anymore. Yeah, and it's one thing to say when Paul said brothers, he could have meant brothers and sisters. It's a generic way of speaking. You know, I know those arguments, but it's another thing yeah. when you must go gender neutral. <clears throat> Look, people have a problem yeah. with the idea of God being Father. You know, that's yeah. not gender neutral enough. And, yeah, yeah, the activism within Sweden, say, to, to deconstruct gender now to come in with the gender neutral pronoun, hen, it goes on and on. Uh, last question for you, Torben. When you first got here, we met, we prayed together, but we couldn't talk about your situation publicly. Now it's gotten more public attention. Are you allowed to comment on where you're at with your plea for asylum? Yeah. Uh, we are. We are. We have sent in our papers, and we have a very interesting case. Um, I am waiting now for my interview. That can go a half year or year. I don't know how it will go. And, and to be honest, my my lawyer has said it's, it's good to be quiet because if I speak too much, it could damage my case. But I really feel I need to speak up to people in America because that was why God brought me here. It's time to wake up. If if you in America say that that this is not going to happen in America, it is happening in America. It's, it's coming in. And, and I would say I left Europe coming to the land of the free 
to America, mm-hmm. who's, who came with the Mayflower 400 years ago, to find out that America is going exactly the same direction as Europe. And it's really shocking for me to come to America and see what is happening now. So, so this is my word to everyone. It's time to wake up. It's time to stand up. The church needs a rival. Otherwise, you in like Europe. Well said. I've got nothing to add to that except amen, and may God be with you. Thanks for joining us today. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you it. for inviting me. Thank you. All Bye-bye. right. God bless. All right, friends, let's focus in on the Israel issue. And yes, hear that call. Wake up. Hear that warning. Jerusalem Post, headline in Jerusalem Post, and, and this is all over the Jewish world. Danish Bible Society's translation omits dozens of references to Israel. Over 60 times the word Israel, for Israel, Israelite, occurs in the New Testament. One time it remains, only one time. That's when there's a direct quotation from the Old Testament into the New. Otherwise, it's gone. You know how far it goes? In Matthew 2, when, when Joseph and his family, so Joseph, Miriam, Mary, and, and, and baby Jesus, Yeshua, they go, or infant, they go into, into Egypt because Herod wants them dead. They go into Egypt, and now they come back to the land of Israel. You know what it says? Egypt is mentioned over and over. Somehow it's okay to mention Egypt, even though Egypt today is it's not the same people as Egypt back then. But no, that's okay. You could mention that. It doesn't say they went back to the land of Israel. No, it says they went home. They went home. Or instead of Israel, say chosen people. Or, or, and, and here's the thing. They have no problem with translating Israel, Israelite, over 2,000 times in the Hebrew Bible. And they say, well, we don't want people now to think that we're talking about the same land or people. Well, why'd you do it in the Old Testament, but you won't do it in the New? Huh? Why that? Please explain that. You don't want there to be a connection. Well, now you break the whole connection between Israel and the Old Testament and Israel and the New and the continuity between Old and New. That's all broken. And, and when Jan Frost exposed this in Denmark and a lot of attention came to it, and the reason Jews care about it is not so much that they're into the New Testament, but they know this is just another blotting out of Israel, another denying of the people and the, and the land and the rights and, and the heritage and all of that. They understand What's implied here? So look at how someone from the Bible Society replied. Look at, look at this quote. This is uh, Jan Frost on his Facebook page. He says, The response to my criticism of the Bible 2020 for removing the word Israel from the New Agreement, that's what they call the New Testament, has been huge. And he goes on, The Danish Bible Society's reaction to Israelis' criticism can we read today in the form of a comment from Secretary General of the Bible Society, Birgit Stockland. Quote, basically, I think they find it hard to understand that the average Dane does not understand that reference is made to a people and not geography when it says Israel in the New Testament. So it does refer to geography. They've got to get rid of it anyway. Messianic Jews see the state of Israel as fulfilling God's promises. However, in Denmark, few people want to formulate themselves like this. And that is also why the criticism of our practice comes from a very small minority in the church. There's a little, little handful of people. They really don't know what they're talking about, after all, to paraphrase. And no, we do not see Israel today as what she's seeing as connected to Israel in the Bible or the promises. Uh, as he says, Jan, uh, Jan Frost says, uh, you can almost hear the secretary general say, why the fuss? It's only a small thing that a small minority in Felkekirchen cares about. It's like the common people. And, and, and then look at this. On the Danish Bible Society website, they have the audacity to have an article that says fake news about the new Danish Bible. That's what they call it. 
Fake news about the New Danish Bible. And they claim, they say, oh, no, no, we, we use Israel over 2,000 times. The word Jew, Jewish, occurs more than 500 times. But did they tell? The, the issue is not what they did with the Old Testament. It's what they did with the New. That, that is completely deceptive. This title should be instead fake news about the true news about the Danish Bible. And then look at this in the Q&A. I've got time for this. The Q&A at the end of the article. They specifically say this. Have you admitted the world, the word Israel? No. In the contemporary Danish Bible, 2020 Israel and Israelites are mentioned more than 2,000 times. What about the New Testament? Be honest. Answer that. And they go on with subterfuge. The good news is that they actually said it's receiving a lot of criticism and they're going to have to reevaluate. They need to repent. They need to repent and quit tampering with God's word and trying to play God and deny the ongoing role of the Jewish people in the world today, and the fact that Israel today is directly connected to Israel in the Bible, in the Old Testament. All right, we'll be back with your calls, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884, Jewish-related calls coming next. Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome, welcome to Thoroughly Jewish Thursday. Michael Brown, delighted to be with you. 866-34-TRUTH is the number to call. If we are a blessing to you, if you are helped by our ministry, if we've been here to equip you, to strengthen you, to edify you, to challenge you, to help you go deeper in God, please pray for us. Your prayers make a massive difference. Pray that God would help us to live up to his high calling, do everything he's anointed us and called us to do. Pray for our needs to be met so that we can reach more and more and more people effectively. We have so much in our heart to do with Jewish outreach, especially in Israel, but we need supernaturally open doors. We need funding. So pray with us. Thank God with us for his faithfulness. And if you feel prompted to join our support team, a dollar a day or more, you become a torchbearer, a monthly supporter. You get a ton of stuff sewed back into you every single month, access to free classes, videos on demand, things like that. So in addition to the thousands of hours of material that are available free to the general public, you get access to even more material. You get a new message sent your way every single month, an inside a prayer letter, a 15% discount in our online bookstore. If you come with us to Israel, you get a 10% discount, which basically puts back in your pocket what you give over the course of a whole year. So consider joining our team today. It's the, it's the most direct, intimate way to stand with us. And if you can afford a dollar a day or more per month, then join us. And, and we trust that, that God will be with you as you do, go to askdrbrown.org, askdrbrown.org. Click on Donate, and then you'll see Monthly Support. Read all of the benefits, the things that we pour back into you is our way of saying thank you as you help us reach the lost sheep of the house of Israel and so much more. I'm going to go to the phones in a moment. I just want to read to you from Psalm 83. Uh, we've talked about this new Danish translation of the Bible that seeks to remove Israel, that does remove Israel from the New Testament and substitutes other words and tries to justify it. But 
Others have pointed to Psalm 83, a song, uh, a psalm of Asaf, God, do not keep silent. Do not hold your peace, O God, do not be still. For look, your enemies make an uproar. Those who hate you lift up their head. They make a shrewd plot against your people, conspiring against your treasured ones. Come, they say, let's wipe them out as a nation. Let Israel's name be remembered no more. That's, that's really what's ultimately at stake here. The desire to wipe out the name of Israel, to wipe out the people of Israel. It is that same spirit that's manifest now in a so-called translation of the Bible by the Danish Bible Society. May they find repentance. May they find true life in Jesus if they've translated the Bible without knowing the God who authored the scriptures. And may they get things right for the good of their nation. 866-34-TRUTH. Let's go to the phones. We start with James in the Houston area. Welcome to the line of fire. Are you there, James? All right, tell you what, James might be an alien communicating with sound waves, but I'm unable to pick them up. So, ah, and James is, oh, we figured it out. That's why it only said Houston area, because the spaceship was hovering around Houston. And that's why when we got him on, the sound, ah, figured it. Hey, they don't call me Dr. Brown for nothing. I'm sharp. Can't put one over on me. All right, yeah, don't know what happened with this call. Maybe he'll call back and get reconnected. I hope if he does, he's got a good sense of humor. All right, uh, let's go to Troy in Kentucky. Welcome to the line of fire. Whoa, okay. I'm detecting a pattern here. I am detecting a pattern. So uh, I'm trying this next call. And uh, is this Troy again? All right, tell you what, I'm assuming that we're just having some problem with our lines here. Let's see what's going on. Uh, Noah in Tennessee, are you there, sir? Uh, I'm here. You hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Go ahead. Awesome. Okay. Well, I thank you so much for taking my call and for the impact you've had on my life. But um, I wanted to ask you, so I'm 22 years old now. I'm a fellow Jewish believer in Jesus. And since I was 17 years old, God has just put a tremendous, uh, extreme burden on my heart for the Jewish people. And I believe he's impressed it on my heart to work uh, doing Jewish evangelism, I guess you could say mission. And I'm just wondering, I'm curious if there are opportunities in Israel, and if you know of any any uh, Jewish ministries in Israel that, that do great work you could refer me to. Because most of the mission agencies that I've talked to seem to be more or less apathetic about Jewish evangelism, unfortunately. And yeah, so, yeah oh, that, that is a shame because it's so important to the heart of the Lord and so important scripturally that there'd be apathy. The one thing is that as far as foreign missionaries, Israel has more than enough. You know, there's a joke. If you start a Bible study in Jerusalem, you'll get one Israeli and nine missionaries. So the key <laughs> thing is to be part of the the culture, part of the life, part of the fabric of the people there. Uh, There are congregations that are very active in outreach in Israel. You know, Dugit, Tiferet, Yeshua, there are quite a few. They're active in doing outreach. And if you went there 
and began to become part of the life of the congregation, then you'd be able to serve it other ways. You'd be able to get involved, etc. Uh, a lot of it has to do with knowing Hebrew as well. Uh, but there's a, there, the, in one way or another, people are seeking to share the gospel on a regular basis in Israel. It's not a shortage of workers. It's a, it's a matter of the local believers being more emboldened. Uh, there, there are now TV stations. Uh, one just started with our friends on God TV. They started a, a network called Shalanu, which means ours, which is all Hebrew broadcasting for the first time, Hebrew outreach broadcasting in Israel. There's METV that uh, I've got an outreach show on that with Hebrew subtitles. Those things are going on. But the key thing is that uh, the kind of like the evangelistic event where you're going to just come in there and throw a bunch of leaflets out and things like that and go home, that's, that's only so effective. It's more a matter of being there, sharing the gospel in other ways. So I, I'd recommend two things to you, Noah, okay? Uh, one is uh, if you contact Jews for Jesus, they do outreaches in Israel on a regular basis and sometimes are looking for qualified workers uh, to come. They've done Behold Your God campaigns in Israel and things like that. So contact Jews for Jesus, also chosen people. They both have bases in Israel. And say, hey, I'm a Jewish believer. If, if I wanted to spend some time in Israel and get involved in outreach, what would you recommend? That's one thing, okay? The other thing I'd recommend is uh, contact Messiah's Mandate. So M-E-S-S-I-A, excuse me, I-A-H-S, messiahsmandate.com. And just share what you share with me. Uh, one of my colleagues leads that ministry and has a real heart for evangelism. And if you share your heart and, and how you'd like to be involved, uh, he can say, hey, here are potential open doors, or here's what I would recommend. So that's the way I'd go about it. Uh, you know, every tourist that goes over thinks they're going to get Israel saved, you know, and basically they go there as tourists, and it's, it's kind of good to just go there and enjoy the land and learn, learn what you can and grow. But if you have a heart to reach the lost, uh, it, it normally takes, you know, some degree of commitment to being there and working with the Israeli believers. But there's plenty of opportunity to share the gospel. Plenty. So Jews for Jesus, chosen people are active in, in outreach within the land. Sometimes they have special campaigns where you can go on short-term uh, outreach with them. So find out about that. And then Messiah's mandate about even, you know, longer-term opportunities within the land. And may, may the Lord guide you. May he use you to, to win Jewish people right here in America, too. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Can I add one thing really quick? Yeah, sure. I I, I do want to add that uh, it is something more long term. I'm I'm looking to to do, and um, where you know whether whether it's Israel or maybe another country I go to to work in the Jewish community or even here in the states. I've done some here in the states already, and I'll be doing some in Guatemala next year. But um, you know, wh- wherever it is, it is something I'm somewhere I'm looking to move to and do permanently, you know, or at least long term. So Right. Well, that that's the just... key, Noah, to, to be effective with any missions. Uh, we've had our workers that graduated from our school on the field, some of them over 20 years now. And I was sitting with one missionary. He had been in Mexico for decades. And he said, when I got here, they told me you won't do anything effective for five years. He goes, they were totally wrong. He said, it took 10. <laughs> now, for the first day you get there, you can be a blessing, you can be of help. But really to be effective in another culture it does take time. Uh, the other thing is, you know, there are large numbers of Israelis that go to places like Nepal 
uh, on spiritual pilgrimage, pilgrimages and things like that. There, there are other parts of the world where Israelis go in large numbers, and it's, it's just great to see, okay, maybe the Lord wants to put me in one of these places over a period of years. But for those that are willing to, to, to plant their feet, Noah, to get seriously involved, to make a lifestyle change, to learn language, those are the ones God will really use. So your, your heart is set in the right direction, and, and I'm blessed to hear that. May the Lord guide you. 866-34-TRUTH. All right, Troy in Kentucky, reconnecting. Welcome to the line of fire. Yeah, hey, thank you, Dr. Brown. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, great. Yeah, I just had an apologetic question uh, real quick. You helped me out a couple weeks ago. Um, I've been interacting some with uh, Rabbi uh, Moshe Shulman from uh, uh, Brooklyn, New York. Yes. So um, we've been discussing some, and he sent me uh, one of his articles on Daniel 9. So I uh, have studied your book, and you know you have you, you deal with the uh, with the passage wonderfully. But but uh, I wanted to call because um, he made some points that that I just wanted to get your I guess more specific uh, sure. response to about Daniel nine twenty four through twenty seven. And so he he had kind of a threefold um, uh, argument. So number one, he um, uh, a he pointed out from the rabbinic calendar that somehow that conflicted with the Christian understanding. Right. Um, some, something about the Cedar Olam. And then B, um, he pointed out that that the, uh, the, the, the prophecy was not to be fulfilled by individuals, but rather by the, the people of Israel themselves, and then C, that it was conditional. In other words, it was like a period of testing uh, for those six things to, to be right. fulfilled. So, so, yeah, so, so let me so do this. We've got, we got a break coming up. Let me respond to those three points on the other side of the break. In fact, as I was writing uh, Volume 3, I was interacting with Rabbi Shulman, Moshe Shulman. We interact to this day. Uh, I respect his scholarship and his learning. We have profound differences, but I certainly respect him. Okay, we'll be right back. It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome, welcome back to Thoroughly Jewish Thursday, Michael Brown, delighted to be with you, 866-34-TRUTH. So, uh, Troy, first with regard to Seder Olam or Seder Olam Rabbah, which, which is the rabbinic chronology, which deletes something like 160 years, uh, this is something almost exclusively held to in rabbinic thinking, uh, even though Rabbi Shulman feels he can make a case for it. Overwhelmingly, historians reject this categorically, and therefore, the period of time we're talking about would end up uh, at the time of Jesus' crucifixion or before the destruction of the Second Temple. So that can be safely dismissed. The second thing is that the text does mention specific individuals, uh, a Mashiach, an anointed one in the early period of the building of, of the Second Temple or the city of Jerusalem, and then uh, what I take as a second Mashiach, anointed one later on. So why even mention them? 
why specifically mention these individuals if it's just something corporate? So this is what's decreed concerning your people in your holy city. It doesn't say the people are going to do this, but this is what's decreed concerning them when these things will take place on their behalf. And thirdly, there is zero in the text that says there's anything conditional, that it's dependent on anything. You could say, well, every prophecy is conditional. Uh, You could theoretically say that, in which case you could say the Messiah will never come. You know, certain things will never happen unless we meet certain conditions, whereas God does say certain things will happen. And here what's significant is just like the 70 years of exile were given and God didn't put conditions on it. He said it's going to last this long, and it did. Well, the same way he said, now you're asking about the 70 years. I want to tell you about something more important, 70 times 7. So with all respect to Rabbi Shulman, I would say those those objections break down very easily. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what I have like put together over the past couple of weeks, like in my own in my own studies. But but again, like I, you know, you're more scholarly about it, so I wanted to you know call in and uh, yep. and, and just ask your thoughts. You you more, are you uh, are on you know, track. For, yeah, and I've I've just got to cut the call here because of the little child in the background. I appreciate their enthusiasm, but it's a little hard on our hearing. But thank you, Troy. Glad we could be of help. 866-34-TRUTH. Let's pull up this article by Joel Rosenberg. A very, very interesting article, but no surprise in it. Uh, he said, as Israel celebrates its 72nd modern birthday, so happy 72nd birthday. Israel. Who would have believed? Who would have expected when Israel became a nation and all talk of end-time prophecy? Who would have believed we'd be celebrating Israel's 72nd year? Only 40% of American Jews see Israel as the biblical promised land, compared to 80% of American evangelicals. Why? Well, as you, as you scroll down to the bottom of the article, uh, he gives, uh, he gives the, the simple explanation. And, and uh, he says there are a number of reasons why, but here's the central one. Most American Jews do not spend much time reading, studying, or memorizing the Bible. If you consider the Hebrew Scriptures the authoritative, inspired, and errant word of God, thus what the Bible teaches about God's love and plan for Israel and the Jewish people is not something they spend much time thinking about, much less believe. For most evangelicals, just the opposite is true. That's why the percentages are what they are. He's exactly right, and it's no surprise. On that note, here is a related call about American Judaism. Daniel in Utah, welcome to the line of fire. Uh, am I on? You, Daniel, Am you are absolutely on. Just need you to speak right into the phone. Oh, all right. Can you hear me well right now? Yeah. Oh, great. Doc Brown, you know, long-time listener, eternal sinner. I'd like to cut it out Danish priest, Jib. I myself, hey. am a, I myself am a former Jew raised in the faith and converted when I was 18 for personal reasons. I'd appreciate you not to ask about that, but I will admit it has to do with bacon. I'll just use that coupon, coupon code uh, TRUTH you told us on. Thank you for sharing the Lord's good news, by the way. I agree with much of what you had to say. I'd like to speak uh, on a statistic you mentioned of American Jews and Jewesses supporting Israel less than us American evangelical. Now, let's assume that even a true, that's even a true statistic is, you know, fake news, you know what I'm saying. Now, I've been an American Jew. I had my bar mitzvah at the Whale and Wall and was baptized at 18. Uh, if anyone's getting in the head, it's me. Could it be, maybe, because American Jews? Now, I've been thinking. 
going to be American Jews are more likely to be highly educated and liberal, and therefore recognize the growing authoritarianism in Israel as fueled by America's military-industrial complex that seems to fuel death in the Middle East and kill our American soldiers in foreign nah. lands. Nah. That's not it. You ever think that instead of interpreting a text written thousands of years ago as literally as possible as a mistake, and that maybe we've had some better ideas since? Maybe they're so, removing mentions of Israel because they aren't interpreting literally. So probably, if you're right, God doesn't exist. Jesus isn't returning. There's no such no, thing as not, sin, not eternal saying, life. Sir. Sure sir, it is. Sure I, it is. I, I, I do not sure appreciate you calling my phrase into question. I never question your phrase. Well, well, Daniel, you just said some out totally outrageous things. Of course, you're still a Jew, whether you practice Judaism or not. But totally outrageous things. And when I, when I, so you think that we're more, we know better now than the Bible? That's what you sure, basically said, I isn't it? I never said such a thing. I never said such a thing. But to say, oh, all right, well, let's, or oh, hang on, let's just try to understand then. I don't want to misunderstand you, sir. Okay, well, didn't you say that people translating today? Daniel, hang on, hang on, Daniel, hang on, hang on. Hang on. Okay. I'll you said that we have better... Okay, right, you know what, Daniel? I want to give you a shot, but I can't help you if you won't listen. Here's the great thing about this. Later today, you can go to our YouTube channel, Ask Dr. Brown, A-S-K-D-R Brown. You can go back and you can hear that you said we have better ideas since then, since the Bible, since translating things literally. I, ju- I just took your thought to its next level. There's obviously a lot of confusion in terms of what you're thinking and saying. And I'd consider you, I'd encourage you to slow down a bit, take some quality time before God. Yes, there are American Jews that are very liberal, just like there are Israeli Jews that are very liberal. And some of them will be more pro-Palestinian and protest Israel's policies. Hey, you're always going to have differences within the Jewish community. But the main reason that Jews today in America, the majority, do not see Israel as the biblical promised land is because they don't believe the Bible. But go back, watch the show today on the Ask Dr. Brown YouTube channel, and see if you said what I said you said or not. Fair enough? All right. 866-34-TRUTH. Let's go to Philip in Seattle. Welcome to the line of fire. Hello, Dr. Brown. Hey. Yes, I was very interested. I just recently, past year, found out that uh, I'm part Jewish. I, I didn't know that all my life. I didn't know that. Part well, what Jewish. do you know? Uh, but I have a question. I, I was just, uh, first of all, the question is concerning you saying that the Danish Bible, New Danish Bible, takes Israel out. Now, I haven't seen that. It's ridiculous, I think. Um, you know, it's like there's no, you know, copyright laws that can bring the Bible, I suppose, so you can do whatever you say, you can dispel names or take names out. We, I'm looking for uh, Bibles with transliterated Hebrew names, but what do you think about the 130 A.D. prohibition from the Romans against the Israelites, against, the, against Judaism, to stop speaking the name of Jehovah, and who, who told uh, here, Philip? Before, Philip, hang on. It's there. Who, who told who, Philip, Philip? 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 Uh-huh. Who told you such a tall tale that the Romans prohibited this in the year 130 A.D.? That well, is a complete Nehem, total Nehemiah myth. Nehemiah Gordon published all. He he showed all the citations where he published all. He said he burned a, a rabbi 
wrapped him with a scroll and stuffed wet wool, and then the rabbis. No, I'm, I'm aware of the, the, the various martyrdoms of, of these these different rabbis uh, as as a result of the Bar Kokhba rebellion, and and Nehemiah Gordon does serious work. But who told you that that's when it started? That that prior to that, that the name Yahweh, uh, not not Yehovah, but Yahweh, was not widely pronounced. Who who told you well, that there that's was that a ban? Interesting point because he, he has, there's only one scholar that, that everybody believes. He looked up and he found that the Samaritan text says Yahweh, but every other text, all the from the, all the rabbis, as far as back as as manuscripts can be, manuscripts can be found. Always said Jehovah, but it's no, 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 no. You're, you're, you're deeply misinformed, sir. Deeply misinformed. Okay. Well, I, Gord, I, here. So, so uh-huh. Philip, here, here's where you start. Go to my website, okay? Go to my website and type in Yahweh. With all respect to Nehemiah Gordon, he, he would present things in a, in a fairer way. Okay, so I want to be fair to him and his scholarship and our differences. All right. He's quite versed in the arguments both ways on this. But go to my website, sdrbrown.org, and type in Jehovah or Yahweh. You'll find some relevant articles and videos, at least one relevant article, at least one relevant video that lays this out. There are many, many arguments against Nehemiah Gordon's work, and it's not just one scholar. See, that's, that's where it's almost making his work look bad, in, in that regard. But there are many, many reasons that we believe that Jews stopped pronouncing God's name, not because of a ban by the Romans, but because they considered it too sacred. Now, it's a separate debate as to whether it was pronounced Yahweh or a tiny minority would argue for Yehovah or Yehovah. Okay? That's a totally separate argument. But the reason we have Lord in our translations was because the name was considered too sacred to pronounce. As far as we can tell, that's what the New Testament writers did. They had Kurios instead. Anyway, maybe one day I'll have Nehemiah Gordon on and we could have a, a good educated discussion about this. God bless. 